Parents, welcome to another episode of The Journey, a podcast intended to educate, equip, and entertain you as we talk about important issues facing our families. PCA is a Christ-centered, biblically-based, and family-focused community of committed believers doing life together. We hope the information you hear on this podcast informs and inspires you to be a better parent. Welcome to The Journey. All right, parents, welcome back to The Journey. This is Dan Panetti. I've got Tammy Peterson, um, who uh, has a unique background, an interesting kind of journey here. Um, you're currently here at PCA doing some work with us uh, in um, our guidance office because you've spent a lot of years uh, doing this kind of work. But you're a life coach now, and I thought you're kind of a, a world of wisdom and a lot of things that would help a lot of our parents. So I just wanted to have kind of a conversation with you and see if you can pass on some of those uh, wonderful um, things that you've learned along the way to our parents. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dan. I'm glad to be here. Yes. So um, tell us a little bit about your background, because you've spent some time in kind of that private Christian school world uh, before you got here to PCA. So kind of bring us up to speed. Sure. I started in um, a Christian school setting as a teacher. I started in second grade, teaching second graders how to write cursive, uh, which was a long time ago, but it was a great We need to bring that back. I love cursive (laughs) writing. I love it. It's so good for a lot of different reasons, but uh, things go out of favor and we just kind of work through it in education. So that's great. Um, And then I did some other things. I had my children, took some time off to be at home with them as a mom. And then came back into education when my kids started back into school and uh, was teaching actually middle school and high school, Bible and English. So it was really an interesting time to think about what I really believed about things as my kids were growing up and trying to figure out who they were and what they should do. And then I ended up as director of guidance for 12 years at the same school that they were at. And they went to school pre-K through 12 at a Christian school. And it was a wonderful experience even today. Um, my oldest son is 33 and my daughter is 30 and they talk about their high school years with great fondness and really the important things about being at a Christian school for them was really just being able to work through the important issues of their life, even in their immaturity. So they look at it with a perspective of 12 years out or whatever. And they they just see it as what it was. It was a time where they didn't know the answers and they were looking for them, but it wasn't the big search of their life. They were just trying to get through high school. Okay, And so, but they saw the Christian setting as a place where they could ask questions Mm. and ponder things and just push back a little bit on what the world was saying to them. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's interesting because I see we, we did our um, Biblical Worldview Institute this last year on deconstructionism, and a lot of people who have walked away from their faith have, yeah. a, have a common kind of testimony where they talk about this idea that, you know, I grew up in a place that I wasn't allowed to ask questions. Yeah. And, and generally speaking, it's, it's a church. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't allowed to ask questions in my church. I'm like, you know what? It's interesting. Um, I was not a private school advocate when before I came to PCA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my wife was a public school teacher and, you know, we were public school people. Um, and when I got brought into the private school world, I realized there's a lot going on here that I was not aware of. And that concept of being able to ask questions was one of the things I had never really thought about. Um, I grew up in a church where we asked questions a lot, but I realized that there were a lot of churches that people didn't. And I thought, how fascinating, because the 
the private school, a, a Christian school that's a good one, it really is a place where you can ask questions and, and teachers are there to answer and you can wrestle with things and you can figure out a lot of those, as you said, those kind of life issues. Um, and so, um, you know, just that aspect, I, I never really realized how important that was for the development of a, of a young believer or mm-hmm. walking up in their faith where they, you know, where do I go? Uh, and if the, if the church is not equipped to have that, right, that's a very unfortunate thing. But a lot of, you know, hopefully a lot of students who are going through the Christian school feel like, hey, this is a place where I can ask questions. I can wrestle with things. I can, you know, figure things out. I don't, I don't always have to have the right answer, but at least I know people I can go to that can help point me in the right direction. So that's a really interesting concept. I had never thought about that before I came here and then realized how important it was. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I would say to parents um, in general is don't be afraid of your kids' questions. Mm-hmm. They ask questions like, why is the sky blue? And now, you know, a lot of young people, especially beginning in middle school and high school, have the internet to ask those questions to. But if your children are young and they're asking those questions, I would just continue to answer the best you can and just be open to the fact that questions are going to come that you don't know the answer to. Mm-hmm. And if we think about the relationship with our kids as a mutually um, beneficial discipleship relationship, we learn from them, they learn from us, we begin to understand what Jesus meant when he said, let the little children come to me. Yeah. Because that idea that we don't know everything, even if we're fancy adults, is an important piece of our creaturehood. We are not God. We're creatures. We're created by him. And so we don't have all the answers, and we weren't meant to have all the answers. And so as we begin answering our children's questions, we begin to wrestle with our finitude, the idea that we don't really know, and there really isn't a place to go to get the final answer about some things. They're they're mysteries. Yeah. There are, the Bible says there are some mysteries. We do not yeah. understand, right? right? God's ways are higher than our ways. So right. we're not going to understand everything. Right. Um, but I love that. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, there's some young guys that I disciple um, that are very new believers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes their questions about things in scripture just blow my mind. Because yeah. it's like, oh my God. I would never have thought to ask that because right. I grew up in the church and a lot of those things were just kind of common and you just kind of understood them. Right. But they're coming to scripture and going, what in the world this is, is this? Weird. Like, this is kind of weird. What's this? What is yeah. this? Who is this guy? What are we talking about? And you're right. like, oh, that's so interesting. So yeah. I love that idea, mm-hmm. right, of as you're raising children, the, mm-hmm. the questions that they bring to you might be questions that you've never thought of before. Right. So you don't necessarily have to have all the answers, but it's just kind of a fun journey to go on with them to say, oh, that's great. I'm glad you asked that question. Let's figure out. Let's figure see if we can answer that. Let's find where we go to, you know, to get the answers to that as opposed to, you know, oh, I feel inferior because I don't know the answers right. to that. Um, sometimes with, with our parents, it's an interesting thing. Our kids go through a lot of Bible training maybe that our mm-hmm. parents didn't have. Mm-hmm. And so our kids are actually more equipped, right, in scripture than mm-hmm. some of our parents and our parents feel ill-equipped to do that. And I'm always like, you know what? That's great because you're learning with them. Don't don't yes. let it be a you know your kids are going there to you know Prestonwood and they're learning about the Bible. Let them come home and teach you right yeah. what they're learning, and then you get to both learn uh, you know in the process as well. So it can yeah. be a win win for both parents and students. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too the just life teaches us so many things that at different times mm. we learn in a different way. 
And so I see this all the time with young adults because I mentor young adults in a couple of different settings. And they were not ready to hear some things when they were 10 years younger. That's right. And now they're ready to hear That's them right. in 10 years <laughs> after high school. If, if only we were always ready to hear uh, right, what our parents <laughs> or God wanted to teach us at the time. Yeah. Uh, that would be a great thing. But yeah, we're not. Yeah. And and I, I do think that learner mentality is really important throughout life. Sure. Because the, the more you say, I don't know, but I would love to look at that with you. When people ask you questions, especially if you're in a position of authority um, or even just a, in the business world in a position of authority, which doesn't feel very Christian, but the idea of allowing other people to know things you don't know and really being curious about people gives a lot of insight into what you do in your actual occupation. Mm. I know some people are just afraid to admit that they don't know, and they should know. I know they feel like they should know. Right. But the reality is is there's lots of research coming out about how important it is for um, the executive leadership to understand what the people who are actually doing the work think about things. And so we're seeing more and more where they're having roundtables and, and um, places where employees can come and say, this is what I do. Do you know what that's about. And a lot of times executive leadership doesn't know. And so if you think about the family in that way, this, the child that comes to you and says, dad, I'm doing this thing. And you didn't do that thing as a kid. Right. You, you weren't right. in their shoes. That's not your area of expertise. That's right. So For you to say, um, I don't know how to do that, but I'd love to hear what you're thinking. Yeah. And let's see if we can come to come, come to some solutions for that. Yeah. So that, that takes us back, right, to Proverbs when it talks about training up a child in the way that they should go. Yes. That doesn't mean you're training up, up in the way that you went. That's exactly right. Each child is, is their own and unique and right. might go in a different direction. And your job as a parent is to try to figure out, right, how has God crafted, um, you know, my children? Right. And, and what can I do to help them become, right, the best version of whatever God has created them to be? Right. So how, how would you recommend parents... Um, start that process, right? From a, from a young age, mm-hmm. um, what, what's it look like to begin to study your children yeah. and try to figure out, right, what's, what's the way that God has created for them to be, right? What are their skills, gifts, um, talents, abilities, you know, difficulties, things yeah. like that? Yeah. I think just paying attention, that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. Life is so fast. We all feel like we're on a treadmill just doing the next thing. True. And I think intentionally saying, I need to pay attention um, I have a, a good friend who's a pastor, and he told me yesterday we were chatting about this topic, and he just said, um, I just tell parents to see and say. Hmm. If they see something, they need to say it to their child. And it's a form of giving a blessing to children to give them information about themselves. Because sure. they don't know. They're looking out at the world from who they are in, in their interior life, and they don't really see what other people see. And so helping them as parents see the things that you see And not just the negative, although um, discipleship is about both the positive things we see in the growth areas, but also the negative things we see in the sin areas. Mm -hmm. And those two areas help help us have fodder to use in discipleship, which is great. But a lot of times um, we're focusing on the imperfections instead of the ways that God has created our children, Uh, and especially if they're different than we are. There's a lot of... um, a lot of grace that we give to children when we look at them and say, you are not me. I don't want you to be me. Right. I want you to be you. Yep. But I don't know what that you is. And so I have to look at you and say, God created you. What did he put inside you? 
you know, if we're created in the image of God, we're reflecting a certain part of his character mm-hmm. in who we are. So I think looking at our children in that way, what what part of God do I see reflected in my child most often? Is it the part of God that loves order? You know, God brings order out of chaos. Is that the part that my child reflects mostly? Or is it the the part of God that seeks and saves that which is lost? Do they just find lost puppies all the time? You know, all the things that that we see in our children are going to be um, put into an understanding of who God is Mm -hmm. for them. And so we keep looking at them saying, hmm, what, what am I seeing? What's being reflected back to me as the image of God yeah. that he's created yeah. you in? It might be so God's creativity. That? Absolutely. Right? Creating beauty, that's another area that we talk about I a lot. I love that. And then um, healing and restoring. Mm. So we, we in, in our company, we talk about the image of God in those four ways. Okay. So creating beauty, um, seeking and saving that which is lost, which includes pastors, but also includes private detectives and people that find things. It's interesting. Um, Creating order out of chaos, which helps think about occupations related to um, accounting, things that bring order out of chaos. And then also the healing and restoring, which you can see pastors, but also medical professionals. And so as you're seeing these little indications of what, um, is being reflected from your children, you can begin to say things to them. I love the way you have compassion toward people who need someone to just come and pat them on the hand. Like sure. there's these little things that our children do because they're unafraid of being connected to people and things. Um, we, as adults, we become less um, interested in being connected to people and things. We have our deal and that's what we do. But kids love being connected to people and things. And so um, I think just seeing it and saying it is a really good way to help our kids in the earliest years, especially kind of find their footing and mm-hmm. who God has created them to be. And we celebrate that. We celebrate um, those ways. And sometimes being connected to people is painful. You know, our kids often have um, family members that are sick or um, even passing away, things like that. And the kids feel those, the, especially those kids that are in the heal and restore category or just love being connected. They're going to feel that pretty deeply and allowing those feelings to be heard mm-hmm. and to be meaningful to you is a really important piece of um, discipling your children. It's not not rushing out of pain being letting them especially if they are kind of drawn to it helping them know what that means in a healthy way because our culture uh really pushes us away from pain sure. and toward pleasure yep. and if that's what our children are seeking they're going to find a very empty life eventually yep. that there's this um there's this mindset that we have to be happy all the time. And that's, you know, um, Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrow. And so sometimes that's what life is about. It's about sorrow and how do we manage it. And in today's world, young people especially see the sorrow of the world. They oh, see goodness, the yes. brokenness. Yep. And that's where they begin to ask questions about who God is and why does he allow the bad things to happen? And lots of young people are asking that question. 
and um, and there's not there's not an easy answer to that as as if you've read the book of Job, yeah. <laughs> you will understand. There's yeah. not an easy answer. And when God finally answers, you're like, I don't think I know any more than. <laughs> but yes. but at least we know that somebody does know. Yes, and it's it's not us. Yeah. So I want to I want to go back to the uh, the phrase that you used, the learner mentality, mm-hmm. because we're at yeah. a school, and mm-hmm. one of the things that that I see from um, my own parenting and parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that when your children are going through school, it's very difficult for them not to do well in a particular area, mm-hmm. even though we know that not every student, mm-hmm. not every person is designed right. to do well in every area, yeah. right? So, you know, I had, I had some, you know, of my own children, right, struggle with math yeah. um, and it frustrated them. And my yeah. thing was always like, um, okay, so here's the deal. You're trying hard. You mm-hmm. really, you really yeah. are. You're working. These concepts yeah. just are not coming quickly to you. Yeah. You know, I had another, you know, of my child that math came quickly to them. One of them mm-hmm. did. Yeah. Um, and I think it was just, it was very frustrating from the student perspective yeah. of why can't I be good at everything yeah. when in reality, <laughs> right? It's like right. Well, in life, you're, you're not going to be good at everything. Right. How right. do we do that from a parent perspective and do that well mm-hmm. to allow our kids to understand that there are going to be some areas that they're going to do well in school even. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be some areas that they don't, not from a yeah. lack of effort standpoint, because sure. we yeah. want our kids to put in effort, but right. just from a, the way that you're wired means that. You know, you may not be great at art class. You may be great in science. You may not be great at language. You may be great at something else. What does that, what does that look like to help our students understand that? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of what we're struggling with today in education is um, our love of STEM. Mm. I know this, this becomes sort of uh, controversial when I talk about it, but the reality is, is that not every kid is going to be wired to be in STEM, but those are the places that have influence in our culture that, um, where a lot of money is being made. And so we, we naturally feel drawn to these areas. And when a, when a child sees that that's the goal and then they see that their biggest failures are in areas in math and science and they just don't, they don't even have a place for it in their brain, um, they begin to worry that they're not valuable. And I think that's the, that is the discussion is what do we value in our culture and then what do we value in our children? And, and if we allow our culture to define what it, to define what is valuable, then our children are going to be defined by our culture. Instead of defining our children by what God has created them to be and then doing the hard work, and it is very hard work in discipleship, to actually walk with a person and help them understand who they are and how they fit in the world. And sometimes that means, and I have conversations like this all the time with people, sometimes it means you're not going to make a lot of money. And I, I... don't I don't say that lightly, but the reality is, is the way you're wired, you're wired to do things that don't make a lot of money. And, and some things like that are very valuable in our culture right now, but they are not paid well. So that's one of the reasons we see um, young people walking out of jobs. The great resignation was about, I don't feel valued and it's a bigger conversation than just what do we do in education. But I think as we're raising children, we have to understand that there's an innate value because they're human. They are human being. They are valuable. Mm. Not because of what they do, but because of who they are. You're right. a member of our family. You are the person who 
brings joy to our family because you are the entertainer or you are the person who just loves to sit on the couch and cuddle. And all of these things are things that families need. And then those students get in the classroom and they may not be as good at the work of education. And so when we think of education as a job, we, we make it a thing that I don't think it was ever intended to be because then there are, um, there are pieces of our lives that are being measured mm-hmm. in a way and we get a report card. That's right. And we are told every time that we are not good in math or we are not good in this subject. It could be English. Um, and I do have some STEM, STEM-oriented students that are like, I'm just really bad at, at English. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. But, you know, God created you in a different way. Yeah. And that's good. And so when we, when we speak to our children about who they are individually, we need to um, see and say carefully. Yeah. And so uh, I've, uh, I've spoken to many parents about report cards, and report cards are hard because it doesn't matter how many A's are on there. We don't actually care about anything but the things that are not perfect. Oh, and when you hold the standard <laughs> of perfection, yep. which is an A in every class, um, then you're going to have trouble because – as you say, as we're developing as humans, we're not as good in some areas as we are in others. And so allowing a child to struggle in an area that they're weak in, especially in the broad education of elementary and middle school education, like it's very broad, even high school is much broader than it will be if they continue on. Um, Allowing them to struggle and and, uh, rewarding the struggle, not just rewarding the grade, and really saying the things that you see in your child that are um, good qualities. So we see that you're working hard. We see that you're putting in effort. We see that you are um, helpful with others. We see all these things. And the more you speak over your children those blessings of what you're seeing, the more they begin to believe it. Because the reality is, is the world is telling them, that if they're not good in a certain subject, then they're never going to amount to anything. Yeah. And in a world where humans love to create um, exclusivity, we love to have exclusive things and do exclusive things and um, be the elite of society. And that's definitely our world right now. Right. Um, it's hard to allow a young person to struggle in a way that could ruin the chances of them being elite. And yet I would say the happiest people I know, truly joyful people, are the ones who weren't perfect as kids and whose parents said, yeah, you're not perfect at that. (laughs) Yeah. And they just kind of grew up into it. But you're you're talking about – you know, being in the educational world, mm-hmm. you're talking about how difficult this is from a family perspective, yeah. but it's also difficult from an educational perspective because when the families come with certain expectations that uh, my son or daughter is going to get all A's, yeah. and here's the deal, they're not wired for all A's, right. um, but I expect them to. Well, then the educational system, unfortunately, has said, okay, mm-hmm. how can we give your son or daughter all A's? That's right. And we have great inflation, not only at the schools, but at the colleges. Absolutely. And, and kids are walking away, unfortunately, not knowing that they're not good at certain things. Right. 
right? Where they think they're really good at whatever because they got an A and it's like, no, you're not a good writer, mm-hmm. even though you got an A and you got passed on through. Right. You're not good at math, even though you got all A's. That's right. not your area of expertise. And I think that's that's an interesting thing is, right, we used to be okay with somebody saying, hey, you're not good at math, but you're good at this. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, then I'll, you know, I'll pursue that. Yeah. Now it's, well, I'm good at everything because right. I got all A's. And it's like, yeah. that's not true. And, right. and it's, it's, I think it's harmful actually for students yeah. to feel like I'm great at everything when in reality, it's like, you don't need to be great at everything. It's, it's so much pressure right. for a young uh, person, yeah. right? You know, yeah. I, hey, I got my, all my A's. It's like, what does that even mean? Right. And so I, I think, you know, that's kind of a helpful thing from a perspective from us as parents to be able to say, if that's what you want, um, then that's what you're, in a sense, you know, the, the culture will bend to what yeah. you want um, and it will give you what you want. But right. I don't think it's the best way to raise your children. Yeah. Uh, so I think you're right. Well, I think we have to have you know, right, the freedom to, to be able to tell our own you know, children uh, it's OK not to be great at everything. Let's right. figure out what you're really good at. Let's figure out what you're wired for. Let's figure out where your passions are. Let's figure out how God has made you and let's pursue that. And, and I, I do love the part that you said um, there may be some of our students, right, some of our children that are passionate about things that don't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right. And we yeah. have to right, we have to wrestle with that concept yeah. in today's culture. Is mm-hmm. that OK with you? Yeah. Right. And that, yeah. that's a question. <laughs> yeah, it is a question. And, and it's it's a really difficult question mm. um, because uh, we see the benefit of yeah. having money. Yes. And that's I, I do think that's the that is part of um, our culture that becomes a hard thing for young people to navigate because, uh, you know, they've done all sorts of studies about income and somewhere around, you know, sixty thousand dollars a year money makes a huge difference. So, you know, before that, there was a lot of hardship in right. your life. Right. And somewhere around that that level, it's no longer as hard as it was. Exactly. Um, and then you start looking at the benefits of making more money. And there is a point where it really doesn't matter how much more money you make. Your life is not going to change very much. Well, it's interesting because I think Scripture tells you that there is a point that when you make more money, life is actually going to become more difficult now, really? where where it becomes about the pursuit of the money. That's right. And I, and I think scripture warns us, right? If you look yes, at what scripture absolutely. talks about in money, there's a lot of warnings, right? Yes. It's it's not a lot of make more money, you know, invest more money, save more money, all the different things. It right. is a be very careful of money. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And right? I do think, and I, I think that's a great way to think about your life even, mm-hmm. is if you are a steward Meaning you don't own your life right. like God has told us we don't own our money. We yep. are stewards yep. of what we've been given. Then we begin to think about life in a little different way. Because if we're stewarding our children's um, lives, what they're good at, what they're not good at, because stewards do that. They say this this land, agriculture is a, is a good way to do it since Jesus talked about it so much. This land is fertile mm-hmm. and it's a good soil to raise this crop in. Um, and yet if we raise that crop and that's the only thing we do year after year after year, the soil becomes depleted. Sure. And I do think that that's, a, that's an image of stewardship gone awry, yeah. even with our children. If we say, oh, you're good at soccer, this is the field we're going to cultivate to the nth degree. We see students, they get to, they started at three and they get to high school and they played soccer their whole life and they're just like, I'm done. I'm done. That's right. I'm absolutely it, done. It's, it, that's so interesting because that's so true. And I tell our young parents that, 
right? That when you put, in a sense, I mean, all your eggs in one basket or yeah. you cultivate that only field, right? You, you, a lot of kids will get burnt out in that because that's really not the only thing that they're good at. They're of good course. at a lot of different things. Yeah play a lot of different sports, right? Have sports as part of the activity, but right, cultivate, you know, um, you know, art and music and school and reading and all the different right. things. And then as they're a well-rounded individual, right, they may say, wow, I really am good at soccer. And you get to that upper elite level and you go, great. And you continue on. But right. that's a, that's an interesting thing. I love how you use the word stewardship mm-hmm. because I think of, right, you go back to the T's, the time, talent, and treasure. Oh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. But I mean, we're all given the same amount of time. Right. Right. So we steward our time, but it's not mm-hmm. like I have, you know, 48 hours and you have 24. Right. Right. Talents in, in the same regard, mm-hmm. right. In, in a sense, we all have some talents, mm-hmm. right. But treasure is an interesting thing. If you think about it from a stewardship perspective, if you get too much, mm-hmm. um, it becomes difficult to steward. Mm-hmm. It does. It, become, it becomes something, and I've watched some people who yes. are tremendously wealthy, yeah. um, that their life is about stewarding a lot of money. Yes. And it's so much time and it's so much energy that right. they don't have time to spend stewarding the time or the talents because yeah, they're stewarding only the treasure. And I right. think that you have to have a balance between all three of those. Mm-hmm. So that's a fascinating concept. Now, here's the deal. You and I could talk forever. I know. It's so true. <laughs> But you do this not just for PCA, but you do it as an outside profession, as yeah. a living. You're a mm-hmm. life coach. Right. Just give me a quick synopsis of what that looks like. And if our parents were like, hey, Tammy, yeah. I would love to talk to you more. Absolutely. Is that something that they can do as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. In 2012, I uh, finished working as director of guidance at my school and really felt God calling me to ask better questions. I love Ironically, that. it was mm-hmm. sort of a funny thing because when, when I was in the guidance office, one of the questions I would ask was, uh, what's your favorite class? Uh, and they would tell me what their favorite class was. And that was kind of the extent of how we got to what major you should do was kind of following <laughs> the answer to that question. Yep. And so I knew as a professional that I needed better questions. Yes. And so I went out and um, became a a certified life coach, and a certified career coach. And so I I have done um, coaching with lots of ages and different people, but our company, Life Architects, focuses on this idea of vocational discipleship, the idea that we are stewarding our belongings, who we are, and out of that who we are, we – do things. So we we differentiate between vocation and occupation in a way that's, I think, helpful for parents, especially um, of young children and children moving into the college area. And so we ask the question of who who is your child? Mm-hmm. What do we know about them? What artifacts do we see in their lives that are giving us some hints of who they are? Because what you do in your life grows out of who you are. God has created you to be something, and out of that being, you will do. And so um, we start work usually with um, individuals and families around 15. Okay. So 15 years old, you can come to us and say, help me sort of steward my child through this area Mm -hmm. of high school and college. And um, our primary our primary. Wow, that's a hard word. Yeah. <laughs> Our primary way of doing that is uh, just a thing we call my life prototype. Because life, we we really look at life as a little bit of an experiment. Uh, because we 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 think learning is about trying things. Sure. And so, if you don't try anything, you don't learn anything. Right. And our um, our culture is risk averse. Amen. And so can't fail at anything. That's right. Which means so we don't try anything. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. And so we see this in so many areas yeah. in young people's lives. It's very difficult. And we also see 
everyone looking for an identity. And so we firmly discuss the identity of being a child of God. And once you that identity is the the discussion and the the place we get to where everything else grows out of, it becomes a little easier for us to say um, you don't find your identity in your job. You don't find your identity in how much money you make. We don't. You don't find your identity in uh, how many people you influence. You don't find your identity in any of these things. You find your identity in who you are in Christ. Yep. And then we say, let's look around and see what God has put in you yep. to use and to steward. And we do take a stewardship mindset. And so it may be in your stewardship of your life that you need to go to college. Um, and... Because, as I said before, we like to make elite a thing. Um, most parents are like, we want him in the best college he can get into. And I just go, I think you should, you, in your stewardship of your child's life and in their discovery of who they are and what they should do, should find a place where they actually fit, yeah. where they feel comfortable, yeah. where they go, oh, yeah. What's the best place for them? I see people here that I think I could be friends with and Amen. professors who are allowing questions to be asked and um, actually not just on the treadmill of turn this in and get a grade back, but actually engaging with students Mm. and talking to them about things. And you can find that on a lot of different campuses. And so, uh, yes, if you you, uh, went to an elite school and you want your children to go to an elite school, you know what you did at that school. So that's a very helpful piece of information. Mm -hmm. But don't just reach into that elite level because – you think it's going to give them a better life. Because I will tell you, I know people that have amazing lives and it doesn't actually matter where they went to school. You know, one of my favorite studies is a study that actually came out of Harvard and Mm -hmm. it's about Boston men and Mm -hmm. it's like 75 year old study. Yep. Yeah. And they just, they they go back and they just ask, you know, you know, what level of happiness are you at? Mm -hmm. And I mean, they go from people who are homeless to people who are some of the most famous people in the Boston area. Um, and they come back and over year after year after year after year, the answers about people's happiness is all related to the community that they have. The number yeah. of friends and close friends that they have and yeah. people who have no money and people who have millions of dollars, yeah. right? Their happiness is associated not with what they do, but really the community that they built. Yeah. And that, that's a very interesting thing. If you could go back and, and tell your kids, listen, I don't care what you do, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. dig stitches, right? Yeah. Do stuff, you know, yeah. you know, cure cancer. Great. Right. But make sure you build a good community yeah. right, of like-minded people, people mm-hmm. who love the Lord, people who can speak truth into you, people right. who can hold you accountable, right? Build that community. And whatever you do in life, right, that's that's going to help create that sense of security and significance that right. really a job, as you said, I mean, a job really, we, we put so much effort on that, the mm-hmm. education and the job to give us meaning and significance. And right. that's not what it was created to do. Yeah. Right? It's very inadequate for that. And, <laughs> and so the way, we, the way we talk about yeah. it is... Um, from a book, a book that was written a long time ago called Fabric of Faithfulness. It's oh. a great book by Steve Garber. And um, he talks about uh, – it, it's actually his, his uh, dissertation for his PhD. He talks about what keeps people um, in the faith as mm-hmm. they age. And so he did a study of young people um, who became believers and – continued as believers throughout their life, and they found three things, and you'll love this because of the things you do here at PCA. The first thing is a worldview, yes. a worldview Amen. that has the answers to the questions of life yeah. and can sustain who you are as a person. The second thing is a mentor and just someone who embodies that worldview right. that you can walk in the steps behind and can 
walk beside them and ask questions of them as they're living their life. Mm. And then the third thing is exactly what you just mentioned, community. And so living in a community that will speak the truth to you about your own life and will also give you information about who you are becoming. And I think the family is our first community. I think it's really important to view it in the way that um, we steward each other's lives. We care for each other's lives. And our children care for us. I know, you know, so many times my children, even as adults, I can think of many, many times where they're just, they're, they're helping me understand what life is Absolutely. about. And so it's a yes. wonderful, um, just a wonderful relationship when you can be open yep. and honest with your kids about the things you're struggling with. And I don't mean burdening them. And that, that is a struggle. No. Is but I go back to that, that to learner that mentality. Right? Absolutely. If parents have that and young people have that, we're yeah. all learning together. We're all growing together. Yeah. Right. That growth mindset. Absolutely. I mean, just that, right. right. We're, we're learning and growing together and we're becoming better versions of ourselves. We're becoming better people. We're becoming better stewards of what God's given us because mm-hmm. of the people that he's put around us. Right. And we can all learn from each other in that. Yeah. Well, so. and being being honest about failure too. Mm. Um, I think sometimes our kids think we never fail. And my kids don't. Being honest about. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, being, some, you know, some honest. people fail very publicly. It's true. Uh, I do think that at really having some conversations around what do you do when you fail? Yeah. When you don't get what you want. Oh, good. Co- what is oh, that? That's a great one. Yeah. What do you do? Because yeah. I think could, our kids you know, don't We know. could have a whole podcast on we just could. that. We could. Absolutely. Hey, I'm going to put <laughs> um, your information, if you don't mind, in the show notes so people right. so people can get a hold of you. But Tammy, thank you for your time and just all the wisdom and information that you've uh, been able to pass on to our parents. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Right. Thank you for investing the time to listen to this episode of The Journey. Please take a minute to share with friends and family who will also benefit from this valuable resource. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. It is truly our blessing and honor to walk with you on The Journey.